I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior by interviewing diverse health experts regarding today's ever-evolving life and culture, turning social science and research into relatable, accessible, and useful information you can use. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. I'm Dr. Alexis Moreno, and I'm sitting here with Philip Reynolds, licensed clinical social worker who specializes in providing premarital counseling, marriage counseling, and even divorce counseling, if that's what it ends up coming to. We've been talking about um, some of the patterns we've been seeing among Americans where they're waiting longer to get married, um, as far as like longer in age. So people are starting to get married around like 28, 30. Um, and then we're also looking at another group of um, Americans, the older population, those in their 50s and older who are increasing in divorce rates. And we're talking about everything in between. So like what does actual psychotherapy for premarital um, counseling look like? What does marriage counseling look like? And uh, Philip was able to talk to us a little bit about what psychotherapy is all about and his approach. Um, and you even mentioned some uh, sex differences in at least heterosexual uh, relationships. You notice a lot of the times like guys tend to be a little bit more, what would you say, like dismissive or, right. or um, impatient. Oppositional. <laughs> Oppositional. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, have you worked with, with couples in uh, homosexual relationships? Uh, I have one couple yeah. in, a, in a same-sex relationship. Okay. Um, but I don't get many referrals or many uh, clients coming in with that. Yeah, and so if you're looking for, um, if you're the LGBTQ community and you're looking for people that specialize in um, psychotherapy with uh, LGBTQ relationships, check out uh, the DC Center um, if you are here in DC. Otherwise, you could check out um, psychologytoday.com and you could specify that you would like someone who specializes with LGBTQ um, issues. And I mean, just like any, any relationship, any marriage, we're going to have our challenges. And across the board, we talked about how communication is 
it's just something that's so very much needed, but not a lot of us are very skilled at it. Right. I still struggle with it, even though I've been in like, what, 13 years right, <laughs> of, right. of, of uh, college, right. like practicing psychology and how to talk to people. Right. Um, but especially when you're in the heat in the moment, like all of, it feels like all of your frontal lobe, like right. all of your executive right. functioning just <laughs> dissipates and it's all the emotional stuff. Right, absolutely. And it comes out in, in your communication. Everybody's great at communication until they have to do it. Right, until <laughs> they have to do it under like stressed circumstances, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah, and what's a higher stress level than arguing with your partner? Right. I mean, it's, we leave rationality very quickly. Uh-huh, <laughs> and then it's just flooded with emotions. Right, absolutely. Um, you know, when I was, when I first got engaged, um, I was getting, I was getting all of these, um, these tips about like, never go to sleep angry. (laughs) And, (laughs) and I'm like, but dude, I've studied this stuff and I've worked with couples when they're super heated. And I know that if you're super angry, talking about it may not help you come to a solution. You know, you might, and if it's late at night and you have class or work the next day, you might need to take a break. Right, right. Yeah. So how how do you respond to those types of, um... Um, it's... Sayings, old school sayings or something. (laughs) I think they're they're good in theory, much harder in practice. And I think the idea is fundamentally, don't just let it drag on, right? right? So... A, a day, you know, we try to come back to it and try and have another conversation and have it go better. Two days, but when you're talking, recently had a couple where the uh, boyfriend got upset and he didn't talk to his girlfriend for a week. Yeah, they had had one conversation and then he didn't talk to her for another week. Yeah, and it's like we can't do that. It's too long. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's it's too, too long. <laughs> and you know, the idle hands, the devil's playground. Well, what's going on in your head when you've had these conversations uh-huh. and you've had this argument? And he leaves for a work trip to Vegas tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you start having all types of wild thoughts about what's going on or what could happen in that one mm-hmm. work work wife or, you know, the whatever. Yeah. So I think not letting it linger too long and trying to find ways to come back to it, trying to find ways to kind of resolve some of that intense anger, let the emotions come out. And I'll tell couples. If it's easier to do it through email, Mm -hmm. send an email to each other before you get home from work. Mm -hmm. Try to take the emotions out of it. Try to talk more about how you're feeling. Shoot an email and discuss that when you get home. Find some way to kind of unpack the emotion so you can come back and have a real conversation about it. Yeah, uh, I think the breaks are definitely um, helpful when it's like super heated. Um, One suggestion that I give to people is that when you're taking a break, that does not mean you're just walking out the door right. in the middle of a heated conversation, right? Because right? that's the, that looks very much and feels very much like abandonment, right. you know, which could bring up a lot of triggering stuff for people. Right. You need to be able to say, okay, yeah. things have escalated to a point. Uh-huh. I think we should take a break. Right. I'm going to do A or B. How does that sound? Great. Let's let's take a break. Let's yeah. come up with an agreement. And preferably like a timed like a, right. like, a oh, time break. I need to go. F- I need to go for a walk for like ten minutes. Right. You know. Right. So that way the person has some kind of expectation about like what's going on and that they're reassured that you know you're not just like leaving. Right. 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 Let's come back to this later. And then and then that's that's the trick. Right. So coming back to it. When you go out, take a mental break. Don't even necessarily like you know keep on ruminating over these issues, um, but try to take as much of a break as you can. Um, and then when you come back. You're not just like, okay, everything's fine now. And, <laughs> You're and, actually still working on and it. And understanding, okay, this has become bigger than the both of us are able to handle. There's a lot of emotion here. We need a third party. Uh, yep. That third party it can often be a therapist. I've had people call up and say, hey, 
can we come in? Can you you fit us in? I know we haven't seen you before, but we're having an intense conflict. Yeah. It could be a really good friend that, that you can have come in and help. It can be clergy. It can mm-hmm. be whatever. But try to find a as much as possible a neutral third party. Yeah. I have a couple where the mother-in-law is trusted and can be unbiased. Mm-hmm. And so they'll bring her in to have those conversations. She's full of wisdom and great advice. And so I think in that situation, yeah. in no situation would I say the first person you go to should be your mother-in-law. In this situation, <laughs> yes. Depends, yeah. But, you know, most situations, mother-in-law says, yeah, I'm a perfect person. Come see me. Right, but right. <laughs> it's just not a good fit. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes it bubbles over and it gets to the point where, okay, now we need somebody else objective to come in and, and that's a perfect opportunity to go say, hey, let's get some couples counseling. Yeah. And you know what? What has been your experience when you make that recommendation? Because a lot of times people are just super private, especially about their marriage and very protective about it. And it could seem very risky to disclose those types of arguments, you know, to a third person. Right. That's why I say it has to be a trusted person. It can't just be anybody. It has to be somebody that knows your life, can speak into your life well. And if not in your private setting to get a a, a therapist intervention who you know is objective, who you Mm -hmm. know doesn't necessarily pick sides and go that way. So I know it can be tough. But what's even tougher is continuing to battle this out without the resources and skills. Being emotionally drained in a relationship argument can happen very quickly. Yeah. That relationship argument lasting multiple days on end can be very, very draining mm-hmm. and excruciating. So it's finding uneasy. some way to, to, to get some relief in there is, is important. Yeah. Um, I, I was smiling while you were talking about a, a trusted, objective person because right. I want to highlight those pieces. Right. Um, and that you're bringing it into the couple to talk about. Right. Because what happens a lot of the time is people want to vent about their marital problems or relationship right. problems. And guess who they go to? Some their single some, friends. Some hot, <laughs> some hot person at work or something like right. that, you right. know? I mean, even their single friends. But especially when we start thinking about, like, the risks for, like, adultery. Right. Um, or emotional cheating, as people, right. you know, would call it as well, is that... You don't want to necessarily bring, we're not suggesting you bring all your marital problems to just anybody um, or even to that like attractive friend that you have. Um, You want to bring it to someone, you know, who you trust, who's objective, who's not trying to stray you away from the relationship. No ex-boyfriends. Right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's so many people that have, oh, I'm great friends with my ex-boyfriend. Cut it out. Cut it out now. End it quickly. Because you're going to find, you're going to get yourself in a tough spot and they're going to be compassionate and caring Mm -hmm. and, oh, well, you know, I was never that type of, no, cut it out, end them quick. Yeah. 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 So you want to bring in someone who's objective and then you're working on it like together as a unit. Absolutely. You know, both partners, the objective party. Right. Hashing it out. Right. Um, And if you don't have that person in your life, you like look at all the people, you know, in your family or friends and you're like, oh, crap, slim pickings here. Not a whole lot of healthy relationships going on. That's where... uh, trained professional psychotherapist, right. you know, who could come in and, and play that kind of reference. And I think every couple should have a another couple that they're friends with, yeah. that they do life with, that they can have those conversations that's meeting those challenges as well, which is why it's tough being the first 
couple married out of your friend group. Yeah. Because now they're all single and they're doing these other things mm-hmm. and maybe that relationship ends. He's talking about all this single life and everything else. And so I think it's it's finding another couple you can do life with that you can share, that you can give that information with that's mature. Yeah. And even if it's an older couple that's kind of mentoring you, you go and get a job, you find a mentor, right? right. You want to find somebody that knows how to do this, somebody to look to. And if it's not your parents, there's there's an older couple or someone that you can build a relationship with mm-hmm. that can speak into your, your marriage and help give you that sound advice that you need. Right. And that's the thing. Like we, we do this on all their, all other aspects Absolutely. of our life. We have a coach in sports, you right. know, as you, as you mentioned, just think about like, parenting, right? Yeah. The, a first time mom, she talks to 50 different mothers about what do you do? And she's going to get 50 different answers and get frustrated with all the information uh-huh. and all the bias and all the advice. But you're talking to other people because you don't know how to do this. Uh-huh. You've never been married before. And if you've been married before and you're on your second marriage, obviously it didn't go well. Yeah. So now how do we <laughs> do this? You need to change. Not right. the other person. How do we do this yeah. and make it make it go better? Yeah. Um, and so I've been talking to a, a friend of mine who's recently divorced, uh-huh. is back out there, and she's trying to find folks. And I'm like, you're 40. Mm-hmm. You're finding 40-year-olds. They've probably ended one marriage yeah. at this point in time, or even scarier, they're 40 and they've never been married. Uh-huh. So you're going to have to ask a different set of questions. That's like your wheelhouse is to find the widower, uh-huh. somebody that could be in a relationship <laughs> for 12 years and it didn't end because they were so terrible. Right. Something happened to their partner, but they're still a good guy. I was like, the, the pickings get slimmer yeah. the older you get in this thing. And so find the questions to ask because you have that that inset. This mm-hmm. is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. And that's what you're trying to figure out a way with. And yeah. it, it just gets tough. And then if, if you are... Um if you are in your older years of dating, right. I don't know what's a nice politically it's a great, great way to say that. <laughs> late late fifties. Yeah, if you're, you know, if well, actually, there's another great podcast called Gray and Dating. Okay, um, and it's about this woman who you know had been married since what her twenties, okay. and then is now newly divorced and single and she's like in her 60s and she's like how in the world do I navigate this dating world (laughs) and so it's so there's a lot of people out there who are older and dating um and there's slim pickings in the sense of like people have a lot more history now in this age group as far as a previous marriage divorce kids family um so your questions while you're dating aren't necessarily whether or not you've been married or or have you been divorced but how did you handle that Mm -hmm. what did you learn from it right the answer or response of like, oh, well, that person, my partner was crazy. Right. That's a red flag. Yeah. I was having that conversation today. <laughs> yeah. If if the other person can't give you an answer as to why they're divorced that includes what they did wrong, yes. that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have to be able to tell me you did something wrong because no relationship ever ends just because of one person. Yeah. Well, they were unfaithful. I was talking to a friend of mine and he, you know, uh, she was saying that the guy, that's what she said, the partner was unfaithful. And then they get in a big argument. Mm-hmm. And then he stops talking to her for a week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, did you see any red flags or where that came from? And I imagine that his wife wasn't just unfaithful because mm-hmm. she was looking to get some. Right. I'm imagining that with the way he's presented, it was not being able to care well for her emotions. Mm-hmm. And eventually she made a poor decision, yeah. but it didn't come out of nowhere because what he's shown is he's not even able to care well for yours. Right. You were asking him a simple question. You had a simple need and he stopped talking to you for a week. Yeah, I got super defensive. <laughs> right, and, right. Yeah. and if he doesn't recognize that, mm-hmm. the first step to you know working on a problem is owning that you have one mm-hmm. and you're looking to get married because you're 38 and you want to have kids soon and you want to be married. 
if he doesn't recognize the problem, the time between now and when he recognizes yeah. it, then the time between him recognizing it and being ready to getting married mm-hmm. and then having kids, you could be two or three years out before. Do you really want to start from scratch here? Right. Or do you want somebody that owns and is more mature and recognizes their issues? Yeah. And that's another that's another thing with with dating, too, is that like how much investment. Right. You know, do you put into somebody who's not quite there yet? Right. You know, who still has some stuff to work through. Right. And, you know, that's on a case-by-case Dub- case And then situation. doubling down <laughs> on a bad investment. Yeah. I've been with this guy since I was 20. Right. It's been seven years. He hasn't proposed to me. But getting out of this and starting over again because mm-hmm. I'm looking, I'm now 27 and thinking about having kids. Well, that's scary. So maybe I just stay with him longer and bite yeah. the bullet. And then it's like... Okay, now I'm 32, still not married, and I've wasted my youth uh-huh. on this person who's still not ready to make a commitment. Yeah. So now I've just doubled down on this bad investment, and, and, and here I am. What do I do with this? Right, right. Or you end up getting married for all of the pressure reasons. You yep. know, friends are getting married, friends are trying to have kids, you want the same thing, and that's not the healthiest way to jump into right. something like that. Huh? And now you're unhappy, and, well, there's the divorce rate, yep. right? there it is. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some prevention. Um okay. Let's see. Okay, so we we've talked about premarital, okay, engaged couples, right? Uh, marriage. Um, so let's focus on tips for each like phase. Okay. Okay. So what tips would you have for newly engaged couples? Wow, newly engaged couples, I would say um, set up the boundaries mm-hmm. of the relationship. So when there are problems, who you can and can't talk to, who you should yeah. or shouldn't talk to. I think that would be important um, in laws, you know, keeping mm-hmm. them on the outside and not engaged in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, unless you're you, that objective person. Right. Objective unless you have that objective, wise, you know, person that's able to give some input. Other than that, mm-hmm. um, being mindful of that bias, setting up boundaries for the relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, how are we going to operate when we go on that girl's trip mm-hmm. or that boy's trip? Mm-hmm. How are we going to check in with each other? How, mm-hmm. how are we going to communicate with each other? Um, how frequently do we want to have physical intimacy? Mm-hmm. It's something that should be discussed. How do we want to do this? Um, it's it's always surprising to me when I have couples, and I have couples that have had sexless marriages. I think the longest one I had was like eight years sexless marriage. Mm-hmm. And I always ask them the same thing. How often would you like to be having sex? Mm-hmm. Oh, three or four times a week. How often would you like to be having sex? Mm-hmm. Three or four times a week. Well, <laughs> let's talk but, about sex. But it's not That's happening. So let's have a conversation about <laughs> yeah. it. And so figure out what, what frequency feels healthy and appropriate for that stage in life and what you guys yeah. want to do and what you want to commit to. But kind of get all that stuff out and up front. If you're thinking about having kids, what do you want that to look like premaritally before you get married? I was talking to a single buddy of mine who's not even thinking about getting married mm-hmm. yet. He's been with this girl for two years. And I'm like, what kind of parent would she be? Yeah. You're, you're, you're marrying that too. Like that's coming in with you. So yeah. talking about parenting styles, what you want to bring to the table, discipline, how you see that public or private school, just having those conversations mm-hmm. about the long-term trajectory and where you'd like to be. And that needs to be a conversation. Uh, there's like way too many times where people just like assume right. that, that, you know, as a, we're going to get married and we're going to have kids. Right. Um, and that's not necessarily what everybody wants. That's not necessarily Absolutely. the lifestyle that everybody wants. And so unless you have that conversation, right. cause that's a big lifestyle change, it's you know, huge. especially yeah. if you're getting married later on in life. Yeah. I'm a woman, I'm 38. Uh-huh. I, well, I kind of want to wait a few years. I want to try. 
I don't have that kind of time. Biologically, mm-hmm. I have this clock that is just right. humming in my head and late, you know, advanced stage, you know, pregnancy and, 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 and the yeah. risks involved with that. And so for older guys, too, right. you know, that increases risk for things. Right. Having that conversation. See, guys don't think about that. Though. Yeah. Guys just think, well, I can wait and I can do this until I'm 80 because, you know, right, right. any 80 year old can have a kid with a younger girl. I'm, I'm fine. It's like, well, what about your partner? <laughs> and then and then is that really is that the path that they want to take? You know, right. Do they want to get a surrogate? Do right. they want to adopt? Do they want to have foster kids? Right. You know, there's just so many beautiful options now these right. days um, that it deserves the respect of having that conversation. Exactly. Know? And then what happens if we have trouble conceiving? Yeah. So we've had this idea and this dream that we would, but what happens if we have trouble? Like you happens said, a lot. do we surrogacy? Do we adopt? What do we do with that? Um, and, and figuring out how you're, how you're going to care well for each other. I think mm-hmm. I, that's, I keep coming back to that. That's a fundamental aspect of marriage. How are we going to care well for each other in whatever circumstance may present itself? Right, right, exactly. And even, even though having the conversation is important, right. you also want to look for these types of cues along your dating process. Right. You know, how is that person with their nieces or nephews right. with children? You know, how right. are they with animals? With, <laughs> like, with parents. They, yeah, how are they you know, with their elderly parents or aging parents? Right. Um, how, how, if at all, do they nurture Right. Another human being. Right. You know, um, so you could have the conversation. People could say, oh, I want to have kids. Right. But do they understand and appreciate how that significantly impacts their life? Right. You know, and are they do they have the emotional capacity to care for another human being right. and be responsible and make those sacrifices? You right. Know? And do you see them making those sacrifices for you? Right. You know, there was one couple. They were married. They've been 20 years in. And it was like, he's never done this for me. Ever? Like, no, not even when we were dating. He didn't do this. Hmm. But you're upset with him now because he's not doing something he hasn't done for 20 years of marriage. Yeah. So what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> so Am I now? I like, can even <laughs> see you thinking you could change it, but we're 20 years in. Yeah. I don't know if you could be upset with him. Yes. Okay. So that's the other, that's my other big gripe. Okay. okay. <laughs> so just we're just going to like have this be a therapist venting session. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's okay, go. Okay, guys. Marriage doesn't change a relationship necessarily for the better. Right. What you're getting while you're dating, in many cases, is the best it's going to be. Right. You throw in marriage and you throw in all those other pressures and expectations in life with family and kids, and it gets harder, more challenging. And so if you're in the dating process and things are crappy... And you're like, well, we'll just get married and, uh, you know, everything will be better once we get married. No. Right. It's a piece of paper. So a lot of those things <laughs> that, are, that, that are present that you pay no attention to or I can just deal with that or it's not that bad, they get injected with steroids and they're 10 times yes. worse once the door closes and you're in marriage and you're supposed to work it out and figure it out. And so all of those little things that are red flags... Mm-hmm. Treat them as real red flags and investigate them. Yeah. Have conversations with them. See if there is a potential to grow in that area. Mm-hmm. I don't do really well with remembering holidays or special occasions. I'm so bad with dates. Are you That's committed <laughs> to growing in that way? Yeah. Ask your partner that. Like, is that something that you're going to be able to do well? Mm-hmm. I think I do pretty well, but yeah, I'm just thinking about a you. guy that was just <laughs> didn't remember anything. That's me. Birthdays, nothing. <laughs> okay. Are you willing to grow? Yeah. Can you put it on a calendar and have it set? Calendar. Can you go on Pro Flowers and have automatic for? Uh, can, can you do something to compensate? Is the effort there? Right. You that's know, that's the a win. Are you willing better. to work? Yeah. If you're not willing to work, we might have a problem. Right, right, right. 
Okay, so we so so now that now that someone's been married, right? Right. <laughs> and what tips do you have for like married couples? Well, let's let's start with like maybe newlyweds, and then we'll I think talk about the long term folks. I think newlyweds, we've talked about the boundaries and setting yeah. boundaries for, yeah. for other folks. I think within kind of, like the first five years of marriage or something. Right. Um, you know, expectations around children, because usually, you yeah. know, that's when you, you, you want to start thinking about that, where you want to live career wise, what are going to be the demands and yeah. the expectations. Don't commit to something professionally that you're not going to be able to sustain long term for the relationship Mm -hmm. or for having kids. So being the guy that has an eight hour a week job and I'm going to work, uh, I mean, an eight hour, eight hour per day job. Well, I'm going to work 12. Yeah. or I'm going to work 15. But now I have kids Mm -hmm. and now my wife is staying at home and I'm still working 15 hours. Mm-hmm. Is that going to work? Are they still going to have that expectation of you? So you could put yourself in a situation where you become this model employee that everybody loves, mm-hmm. and now you're down the line, you have kids, you have a different type of relationship. Well, now what do I do? Because now this is expected of me. Right. And so think about where you want to be professionally and everything else, and then kind of talk about and plan for that. As it pertains to now we've been married, we've been in this mm-hmm. thing for five years, we're pushing 10, mm-hmm. you know, we're pushing 15. I think it's constantly coming back to the table and talking about communication. Yeah. In what areas am I satisfied and what areas do I feel like you're caring well for me and what areas do I feel like you could care better mm-hmm. um, having those conversations. And so my wife and I recently, we mm-hmm. came up with a list. These are the ways that I feel cared for. Yeah. How many of them are you actually doing? Uh-huh. How many of them are actually present? And then are there ways that I can improve and grow in this area? And so I think it becomes important to sit back and evaluate your relationship mm-hmm. over time and look at those things and have those hard conversations. Yeah. And it's very easy to get stuck in a pattern where you just stop doing things in a relationship. Uh-huh. One of the biggest ones, like I said, for some of the couples I work with is just sex has stopped. Mm-hmm. Now we're a year into that or two or three years into that and we're both frustrated with yeah. it. So it's a long time to wait to solve a problem. Right. Solve <laughs> yeah. a problem like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's an even longer time to wait. Yeah. And so what do we do? How do we rebound from that? How do we recover? Yeah. Um, what do we want this relationship to look like and what does it look like? And being able to have that dialogue and have that feedback mm-hmm. um, I think is important. And like like we've been talking about, have that objective third party that can come in and, and deal with some of those conflicts that have been you know, deeply set in our relationship, those patterns of behavior so we can change them and be healthy and productive again. So so some of the topics that couples should talk about are expectations, lifestyle expectations, work expectations, uh, parenting or, like, you know, family expectations, um, sex. Yes. Talk about it. Right. Money is another big one. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Talking about money. So um, my husband and I have created... Fudge budge. Okay. Which is we bring in chocolate fudge. Okay. <laughs> some kind of chocolate treat pastries. Okay. Uh, probably some wine with that too. Right. And then we go over our budget. Okay. And we do we tried doing that once a month. That wasn't enough. So then we started doing it like bi weekly. Right. So whenever we're getting paid, we're preparing for it. We know where the money's going. We know where the money went out. Right. Um, and we try to have fun with it. Right. You know, because I, it, to me, it's like going back to work. You know, right. after working all day, yes. but you bring in so you know you bring in some chocolate and some wine and it feels different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> light some candles. Right, right, bring right. in your budget. Right, right, right. Hey, baby, I got hey. those numbers for you. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> but it's important, you know, because otherwise um, one or the other person is just like feeling all the pressure to right. handle it. Um, or, you know, it's not being talked about and money's going out and no one's saying anything. So it's important to make sure that that's something that you have a real and honest conversation <laughs> about. Um, and we do know that as far as the divorce rates are concerned, I mean, money is up there that, you know, that I think money is relationships up there. in a big way. And then it comes back to communication because yeah. it's not communicating about money that becomes quite the complex yeah. um, dynamic. And so everybody has money. Everybody has a budget and mm-hmm. blows budgets and goes over numbers. But how are we talking about it? How are we discussing it? Uh, are we both on the same page? Are we both seeing the same things? Are either of us hiding anything? Right. Um, so those all become important conversations. Um, I think faith Mm-hmm. becomes an important conversation. I've had a number of couples where one was raised uh, Jewish, another was raised Catholic. We've oh, that's had, like my husband and me. Right, we've, we've had kids. <laughs> yeah. How are we going to raise our kids? Are they yeah. going to choose? Are we choosing? What's the expectation? Well, uh-huh. you know, my mom really expects this, so this is what we have to do. And so being able to have those conversations yeah. um, are important. Yes, yes. Religion, spirituality, also right. also important. Okay, so we talked about some tips for engaged couples newly, and then like even as you're going off in years, you right. know, things just keep on checking in on those things. Um, now, you have some book recommendations too. Right. Uh, Passionate Marriage. Yes. Um, that's one of my favorites as well. Okay. That's also, that's a good one. Intimacy and Desire. Right. And The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, John right. Gottman. Right. Oh, and then also Getting the Love You Want. Right. Um, we'll have all of the links to get all of those um, on the website. I'm trying to remember if they use gender gender neutral language for the couples. I don't think they do for passionate marriage, if I remember correctly. Do you? No, I think I think David Snarch. Snarch. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, that's why name. I skipped it. <laughs> <laughs> High five to you. Yeah. Um, I, I think he does in the the Sex Crucible. I think he uses. Uh, he flip-flops yeah. male-female and, yeah. and interchanges it. Um, I'm not sure about the rest of them. Yeah. Um, and those are books that I read kind of early on yeah, in, me too. in my kind of professional life where I was like, I have to read everything because I have to know everything. And I think the biggest thing that has informed me, and I think it's the biggest thing that can inform other couples as well, is talking to other couples. So I get the benefit. They come to my office and they pay me. But you can go out and you can talk to other couples because oftentimes we have this impression of Mm -hmm. what life is like for a couple because they present very well. Yeah, especially now with social media. Right. (laughs) What's behind closed doors (laughs) is quite different. And if you can get couples to open up and be vulnerable about the challenges they have, which includes some vulnerability on on your part as well, I think you'll find that a lot more people are dealing with a lot more things than you think they are. And they're quite similar. And, you know, but everybody hides behind closed doors. I'm the only person on the planet dealing with the teen that's smoking pot in the house. Right. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so if you want to keep on on reading things too i also do like love languages um by dr uh gary chapman um but check that out and then they also have a new a new app that i need to check out so we'll see how it is love nudge i thought that was interesting and just check out our website www.witandreason.com um for more resources um Thank you so much for being here with us, uh, Philip. Um, and thank you, of course, to DC Radio and for all of you listening. Stay posted on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter 
at Wit and Reason and DC Radio for our next show. I'm Dr. Alexis Moreno. Let's keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Wit and Reason with psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. For more information, visit witandreason.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.